A day for the loss of President George H.W. Bush might buy them some time, but Congress can't get around dealing with that possible funding lapse on Friday. For an update on the latest negotiations, Federal News Network's Eric White spoke to veteran congressional analyst David Hawkins. Well, most positions are set. The Democrats, unlike the Republicans, hew very closely to seniority in, in making assignments to the top leadership positions. So we really know the identities of all of the House committees uh, because we know who the who the current senior people are on each committee. And in, without any exception that I'm aware of, they will all be moving over to be, take the gavel uh, without any challenge from outside. We also know the full makeup of the House Democratic uh, leadership with, of course, the one very, very important uh, exception, which is that, that the, the top Democratic leader, who would also be the Speaker of the House, has been nominated by the Democrats for that job, but has not yet been elected. That doesn't happen until the first day that Congress is in session on January 3rd. And we don't know for 100 percent certainty uh, that Mrs. Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi, has the votes to win election on the House floor. She would need a majority of every House member's vote who votes for somebody by name. That's important. Not just a, it's some people say it's a majority of the entire House. In fact, she has to get a majority of the votes that are cast for a person. So if some disgruntled Democrats decide to just sit on their hands or leave the room when the vote is called, that could make her path to becoming the speaker a little bit easier. I think that she's on the cusp of locking it up, but she hasn't quite done it yet. Yeah, we hear this every time, even last time. It's, you know, seniority over a fresh face or a new direction or, you know, the people who can just secure it with the big bucks. Uh, Is that what kind of won out again, just the fact that she's been there and uh, that she can secure the money for the upcoming uh, 2020 elections? Oh, I think there's a lot. There's a lot of things going on. One, one is it is you know it is it would have sort of made sense to say it was time for a fresh face during the first, second, or third election that she presided over, where the Democrats didn't win back the majority. But now that they've won back the majority, it's a little hard to to kick somebody out who did just bring them back uh, into power. So that's the sort of the first and most obvious thing. Uh, the second most obvious thing is that there was the, the disgruntled group did not coalesce around a single challenger. So, you you know, first rule of politics is you can't beat somebody with nobody. And they never came up. They never they, they only got nobody. They never got a somebody to, to run against her. Uh, the third thing is uh, that she is, um, you know, for her flaws, which which members point out that her flaws are she can be a little bit controlling. She has been you know, she's a little bit uh, polarizing on the other side. Her virtues are pretty strong, too. Uh, when she was the leader of the House Democrats as the speaker a decade ago during the start of the Obama administration, the Democratic caucus was much more ideologically complicated or, you know, there was a much more ideological range of Democrats. And she held them together with a pretty remarkable uh, degree of unanimity. And I think that most Democrats think that that's what they need to do again. Um, And as you say, uh, she is an amazing fundraiser and they like that, too. So for all those reasons, I think her position is is pretty strong going back in. Um, I think it remains to be seen whether she will conclude uh, that this will be her swan song. And at some point when she thinks she's at uh, the time is right for her, she will announce that she will uh, she will step aside. But but not. I wouldn't think that would come for six months, a year, maybe 18 months from now. 
Speaking with Capitol Hill reporter David Hawkins, let's talk about some other leadership positions that may not be as significant, but uh, are you know somewhat significant, I guess. And that's the uh, the Republicans choosing who their ranking members on committees will be. Uh, what is the job of a ranking committee person, uh, ranking member of a committee? You know, you're in the minority there. Elijah Cummings saw the frustration of you know you can send out letters and call on the. Uh, committee chairs to conduct investigations, but, you know, we know that they hardly ever listen. Uh, but what is the significance of the position? You know, I think I think that is what you just described is the principal significance to be sort of the loyal opposition and and to decide when, when, if ever, to cooperate with the majority on the legislative agenda, to be the public face of the of the minority members of the committee, which Mr. Cummings was was very good at being the public face for the Democrats on the Oversight Committee. That's why the Republicans are particularly focused now uh, on finding, and they seem to have settled, on uh, Mr. Collins of Georgia as their as their ranking minority member on the Judiciary Committee because they think that he uh, would be um, the sort of the face they want to project uh, on the on the Judiciary Committee. Notoriously, one of the most polarized committees in all of Congress, even when. The potential for a presidential impeachment sometime in the next two years is not on the table. The Judiciary Committee handles you know, every, almost every hot button social policy issue you can think of, abortion rights, gun control, you name it, immigration. Um, so the, the, the job of the ranking member is to be is to sort of coordinate the, the, the minority party's attitude towards the majority and their both in terms of legislative tactics and in terms of being the public face. Congressional reporter David Hawking's on with us, and every angle has been pretty much covered this week in the passing of George H.W. Bush. But let's see if we can cover our own. Uh, what was his relationship with Congress while he was in office? Uh, people in Congress and congressional analysts talk about back in, you know, the early 90s and 80s, people got along more better and everything like that. Was that true or did he have uh, some battles with the other branch of government there? You know, you know, both both things were true. Yes, yes, there was more collegiality and collaboration. Uh, but yes, also, the president had plenty of battles. A couple of things come to mind. One, he was a product of the House, right? His first job in politics, uh, in elected politics, was as a House member. So he knew, and by the time, and that was in the late 60s, and by the time he got to, to the presidency, um, 28, 29 years later, there were still some members of Congress that, that he knew personally. He picked uh, liberally from the House Republican ranks for his cabinet. Uh, and then he set to it, but then he had to set to work advancing his own legislative program with a more lopsidedly, let me, how do I say this? There were, there were more, George H.W. Bush was the president who, who faced a more, a stronger opposition Congress than any other president in modern history. In other words, both chambers of Congress were Democratic, and the majorities were overwhelmingly Democratic, more so, more overwhelmingly so than for any other modern president. So he had to adopt what really was, came to be known as the veto strategy, which he'd let the Congress, the Democratic Congress, work its will. They'd pass what they thought, what they knew he was going to veto, but they would sort of stake their claim to what they thought the most uh, ambitious thing they'd wanted to do. They'd pass a bill, he would veto it, and then they'd sit down and negotiate. And this happened you know, dozens of times um, on all manner of uh, voting rights, civil rights, minimum wage. It was a famous minimum wage uh, fight where essentially Ted Kennedy, then the Democratic chairman of the, that was leading the fight for the minimum wage and George H.W. Bush, who knew each other pretty well, they 
got in a room at one point and said, look, this is how we're going to act it out. I'm going to bash you for a couple of months. You're going to bash me for a couple of months. We'll each stake out our claims and then we'll get in a room and do a deal. And that's what happened. Almost a better way of running business, it seems, instead of just the bashing only. <laughs> just the bashing only without the, you know, the, right. There was the, the, the um, you know, a lot of people who cover Congress say Congress is a little bit like high school. And to that uh, to that end, uh, sometimes relationships Congress can be like adolescent relationships. So it used to be there was sort of the breakup to make up period in Congress where you'd, you know, you'd, you'd yell at each other knowing you were going to get back together in the end. Now we just have kind of the breakup to, to walk away period too often and not a lot of making up at the end. And of course, one last thing uh, we have to ask you about what the status is right now of the potential shutdown that could be coming in the next few days here if uh, they don't pass a certain amount of appropriations bills to cover a handful of agencies that uh, need to keep running. That's right. So so as the week begins here, um, there are still seven appropriations bills. Uh, that means theoretically that on Friday night, uh, the convention will kick the can down the road by one or probably two. Uh, the weekend before Christmas, the weekend of the, of the 21st, uh, there's not enough bandwidth. I think really what that means is they don't have a deal yet. If they had a deal after the funeral on Wednesday, they could just as easily pass the deal on Thursday and Friday and go home for the year. But they don't have a deal yet. So they're going to buy they're going to buy themselves a couple of weeks. Everybody's going to go to their corners. Nobody's going to shut down the government and they will uh, they will blame or credit the need to have uh, have just some some period of, of tribute time for President Bush as, as their reason for doing that. Veteran congressional analyst David Hawkins speaking with Federal News Network's Eric White. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.